really had anyone to, because I've been doing spill the tea, like um, asking me about it. So it's probably good for everyone to hear. Um, so how I started my podcast. So I started um, Brown Girls Purple Lips. It'll be five years ago um, in May. Um, so I wanted to create a community for women to come together and share their stories and things that they've been through. And I, um, my favorite color is purple. One of my best friends at the time had bought me some. She had purchased me some purple lipstick. And I was like, this is so pretty. I want to do something with this. Like, <laughs> I, I get inspired by the smallest things, really. Like, so it was a purple lipstick. And I was like, I want to do something with this. So I looked up, you know, I have been a fan and supporter of, um, you know, the pink ribbon causes. So I was like, I wonder what purple ribbon causes there are. And I looked them up and I seen, you know, all these various causes and some that I knew about and um, a lot that I were I personally was affected by. So I wanted mm-hmm. to get off that and have the women to share um, their experiences. So that's how it came about. Um, I recently started doing my own personal podcast called um, the letter B think piece and it's just me kind of sharing my experience and my growth um, throughout these last few months um, and from there I was like okay I want to interview people you know I wanted to make it easy for people to share their stories because I feel like over time like I only had a few people to submit like you know pictures and actual responses of why they wear purple lipstick or you know tell their stories of things that they've been through and experienced and experiences so I was like well if I interview people it'll make it easy you know to get people's stories out it'll make it easy for me to share people with other people with the brown girl community so that's how um the letter b spill the tea you know came about so awesome awesome (laughs) um so I was super excited I came across your page and I am a instrument fanatic. Like, I love all instruments. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> like, not one juju, I promise. Not an instrument do I know how to play yet. <laughs> but I promise myself, like, you know, before I die, I'm going to learn how to play three or four, you know? Right, right. I'm still there. I'm still trying to learn three or four. <laughs> I, I mean, that's so interesting, right? Yeah. So, I see her page, and I was just, like, so excited. And I'm like, I wonder when she comes talk to us because I feel like um, I don't know many brown girls who play any string instruments um, or instruments for that matter. So I felt like that would be a great addition, you know, to our platform to have someone to come on and talk about how they got interested in it. So I kind of want to start there with your interview. Um, how do you, you know, find, you know, come to find a love of strings? Wow, that is a great question. And it actually started for me a long time ago. It started for me when I was in elementary school. I think I was in either kindergarten or first grade. And um, there was, they gathered kids for like school assembly and they had a concert. And they had this young lady, I think she was from Korea or something. She was like maybe a teenager or something. She might've been about 15 at the time. And she played the violin for the school assembly and I saw her playing and I was like, this is magical. Like I just watched her play. I'm like, Oh my goodness, this is awesome. I want to do that. And um, I was so like, she was playing all these like fast notes and all this. It just looked like 
musical gymnastics that she was doing with her fingers and her hands and the instrument. And it just, that moment, I was like, wow, I want to do this. And I haven't felt that strongly about too many things in my life. I've always been the person to be like, oh, I want to do this and this and this. But that one thing, if I really think back, I think that in that that moment when I saw her playing, I was like, wow. I mean, I didn't think it was possible because I'm a brown girl with broke parents (laughs) living in a high rise apartment. I didn't think it was possible. But um, in playing with my toys that I did have, I did have a baton. I didn't have instruments. We didn't have instruments. It was a little apartment me and my sister growing up, but I had a baton. I had a Barbie doll or two and I had a baton and we would listen to a lot of music in our household. And I would literally pick up my baton, the twirling batons, and I would imitate like somebody playing the violin. Like we would hear the violin on whatever recording we were listening to or a radio or whatever and be like, oh, and I would try to play along with my baton and my air arm and bow, whatever, making up stuff, just trying to imitate what I saw and just kind of feeling what I heard. I would hum the tune or whatever and just imitate it like as if I had a violin. And that went on, on and off, I guess, whenever, you know, a song would come up with a lot of strings in it. But one year, it might have been like two years later, I had an uncle who loved music. And one day we got this big box in the mail. And I'm like, what's this? Like, first of all, it's a big box. We don't get a lot of packages. This box had a violin inside. And that was my first violin. I was probably in the second grade by this point. Didn't know what to do with it. I was actually disappointed when I first opened the box and I tried to play it. And I didn't know that you had to tune it, that you had to do things to set it up. So I tried to play it. I'm like, this ain't working. This is, I was in tears. I was like, this is not what the girl was doing on the stage. So that was a little, you know, but I eventually, um, there was someone at the school that taught other kids how to play and they set me up with her and she got me started. And, um, she, I think had a baby and had to move away or out of town. And then I was without a teacher for maybe another year or so after though. So it was like little breaks along my journey. Um, even up to this day, (laughs) there's been starts and stops. And I guess my message is going to come out somewhere. Just don't give up on what you try to do and what's in your heart because I had many starts and stops. It was not smooth sailing. I was told um, the best violinists, they start, or to be really good, you have to start in kindergarten or when you're like five. And by the time I got an instrument, I was eight. (laughs) I might've been in the second grade and I was considered old to some people to be starting this instrument. And, you know, you see the little five-year-olds coming up and like playing all these fancy things. I'm like, wow, <laughs> like I can't do that. But um, I eventually ran into, not even ran into, when that teacher left, there was a teacher at a different school, not at the school I was at, but a school, maybe a 20 minute drive away or something like that. And um, they signed me up to get lessons with this teacher. Her name is Yvonne Bosch. And she played at my wedding. I am still in touch with her to this day. Um, she has a lot to do with the playing that I do and the things I have done with the violin and the reason, one of the reasons I'm motiva- motivated to even play. So um, big kudos and credit to her. I played throughout elementary and high school and took lessons, um, took a break in college, came back after college and grad school, tried to play with somebody's orchestra, 
was nervous as all get out, but um, it was an experience. And I've been playing off and off. I've taught beginners like early violin technique and things like that off and off for a number of years. Um, it's something that I keep coming back to and it just never left. So here I am. <laughs> Wow, that's amazing. Um, how was your experience with the orchestra? Like, was it, was it other? Oh, no. Like, what, what was <laughs> My grad school orchestra experience, I was in Pennsylvania at the time. I was the only one. If I wanted to see another brown face, I had to pull out a mirror because it wasn't a single other one in the entire orchestra. It was a symphony orchestra. It was a big orchestra. And it was a little nerve wracking. I felt that for the entire time I was in the orchestra, felt like, wow, I was like tense a lot of times, like, oh my goodness, I'm the only one. And I don't know how to play like they know how to play. And I don't have, I kept on telling myself that I wasn't, oh, I'm not good enough. And these are things and those things. But um, the truth was um, the director gave me a shot. He auditioned me, they were impressed with my audition. I played something by heart that I had played back in the day when I was in high school that I liked and they were happy with my playing. So I got in that way. Um, so I figured if they gave me a shot, I'm going to use every tool that I know how to use to make this thing work. And I did my research. I went to the library and pulled up um, recordings of the songs we had to play so I could practice with them. It took a lot of work, but it was one of the most beautiful experiences that I've had to date. And I remember it fondly because although I wasn't in school for um, music, um, I was actually in grad school studying city planning. But um, <laughs> one of my professors, we had like a planning law class and they had like readings you had to do. And then the professor would call on you to like defend the reading or like he would ask you questions and interrogate you and you just random pick people and you just sit in your seat just hoping he wouldn't pick you. And one day he called my name. I was like, oh no. <laughs> that was the day that I didn't do the reading. I was like, oh no. <laughs> but he called and he, I had had flyers about our orchestra concert. And instead of asking me a question about the reading, he said, oh, all you, he said to all the students, like, your classmate is going to be playing with the symphony orchestra on such and such a date. She has some flyers. Would you like to tell them about this concert? I was floored. I was like, thank you. <laughs> I was like, oh, thank you, Professor King. <laughs> so um, he literally did a promo for the concert <laughs> that was happening with the orchestra. And I will never forget it. I will never forget it. Um, it was it was scary, but I was it was beautiful at the same time. He um, invited my classmates to come. And when we finally had the concert, I looked out in the audience and there were about maybe five to 10 people from my class that showed up. They brought me flowers. They took me to dinner afterwards. It was beautiful. Um, it was truly beautiful. I love that. That is so beautiful. That's such a heartwarming story. Um, wow. So I kind of wanted to ask, you know, with you being the only brown girl in the orchestra, like what did you use to keep yourself motivated and how did you kind of overcome that feeling of, you know, I'm the only one, I may not be as good as them because I didn't start, you know, as soon as they started, like how did you overcome Wow, that that's feeling? a great question because they were definitely there for a while, 
But I found in my best moments, it was when I was focused more on the music. When I zoomed in on the music and what I was there to do, it eliminated some of that, not all of it, because there were moments before and after where I was brought right back into reality, like, hey, <laughs> you are the only, <laughs> in case you forgot, <laughs> look around. But um, the honest and truly, when I was focused on the music, when I was in that score, when I was looking at it and trying to focus on what I needed to do with my instrument and how I was gonna make this music happen, those things kind of started to fade. And I did have little rays of hope along the way. I My stand partner at the time, I don't even remember her name, but I remember she was real kind of stern and just all like serious. She wasn't like the friendly bubbly, like, hey, we're stand partner. That was not her. <laughs> she was like, okay, I'm with you. <laughs> you know, you're my stand partner. You, you, you're this person here. But one time um, there was like a guest teacher, I guess sometimes with um, violin and different instruments, they'll have like master classes and workshops. And you can, I guess they said, if you want to, you can take lessons with these masterclass people outside of orchestra practice. And um, I was like, oh, that sounds cool. And she actually recommended, she didn't speak to me much, like the whole time we were orchestra, she might've spoken if it was time to turn the music or something. She wasn't a big talker, but she was like, you should sign up you should sign up and the teacher's name I think was Gislaine or something like that. You should sign up with Gislaine. I was like, huh? Like what? First of all, you're speaking to me. Thank you. <laughs> but second of all, like who me? Really? Mm -hmm. I guess she was, she heard my playing like as her stand partner and she thought I had what it took or she respected the talent to be like, no, you should take lessons with Gislaine. And I was like, huh? Okay. And I didn't actually end up taking lessons with Gislaine, but let me tell you about Gislaine. I don't even know if I'm saying her name right, but after I left school, I found out that Gislaine was one of the violinists on like, was it Kindred and the Family Soul or somebody from Philly? She recorded strings with them for like Far Away or something like that. And I was like, I missed out because <laughs> I was scared. And I let my fear be like, oh, you know, first of all, I can't afford Gislaine. Although they had a program with the school where you could get discounted lessons at the time, broke student, I, I did not participate. But I did go to one recital that they had with their students and just kind of sat there and listened to other people play. And I think she played something there too. And I remember being like, okay, this is who she is. She'd be a great teacher, too bad I'm broke. But um, I should have, in hindsight, I should have pursued that. But um, also in hindsight, I am touched that I was in a space that I, could even have that opportunity before me, even though it didn't materialize, it still to this day tickles me to think, huh, whenever I hear Kindred and Family so far away in the stream work, I'd be like, you know what? <laughs> I could have played with Gislaine. I could have been her student or I could have had that connection, but yeah, <laughs> it still makes me feel good to this day, even though it didn't work out. <laughs> But I think that's a good point. I think a lot of times we let, you know, us being brown girls, us not maybe coming from money, kind of get in the way, even though other people, like you were saying, your stand partner, even though your partner could see, you know, your potential or your greatness, we kind of get clouded by, you know, yes, all our definitely. insecurities in our head. So that I think definitely. Um, what advice do you give to, you know, someone you know, some little brown girl who wants to play vi a violin or get into the strings or even someone, you know, 
older because I'm <laughs> determined to learn to play something like Just that. Just do it. Do it. Do it. I say go for it. And don't let age or anybody telling you you too late. Don't listen to that. Um, if I had listened to that, I would have never had the experiences that I've had. Um, violin has taken me places I never would have been um, had I not played the instrument. Um, and I don't even play for a living. This is not my full time. This is something that at the moment I do for my enjoyment mostly. I would love to do it full time if that was a possibility. But honestly, if I had listened to all those voices and all the people that said, you're too old to start violin, you're eight, like we start the five-year-olds and that's the best time. If I had listened to that, there's so much I would not have had the opportunity to do. And I have many great memories and great um, stories and experiences of things that, wow, I can look back on and say, I'm glad that I didn't quit. I'm glad I didn't give up. I'm glad I dusted my violin off because there be many times different things going on in life where I wasn't playing and I wasn't practicing for whatever reason. And I'm glad that I didn't stop. I didn't sell the instrument. I could have. I could have been like, oh, well, I'm not playing this anymore. Let's let's sell this <laughs> and get some money or do something. I'm glad I didn't. Um, I say just do it. My best advice is don't let other people's opinions and voices and prescriptions stop you from doing what you want to do. If you want to do it, do it. I'm still trying to learn instruments aside from the violin. Matter of fact, I have an appointment tomorrow to go look at some cellos because being at home in quarantine in these corona times, it's not a lot of group playing that you do with others publicly. At least I haven't been able to. And um, I'm interested in maybe trying to record and play my parts myself with myself <laughs> until this whole thing, you know, resolves itself. So I say go for it. If it's in your heart to do it, don't let age don't let what other people say stop you. It is not too late. And another thing, don't look around too much. Look around for inspiration, but don't look around to compare yourself. The moment you start looking at other people for comparison, you will get discouraged. Like there's some great violinists out there with exceptional talent on Instagram that I follow that some days I'm just like, if I watch them, I'll be like, why do I even play violin? Like, they're so wonderful. And so they practice every day and they're amazing and they're great. And it makes me want to just put mine down because I'm like, no, girl, you got it. You're great. <laughs> There's no need for me to do this. But I'm learning. Everyone has a voice. Just because they play exceptionally well doesn't mean you as a beginner don't have your voice and your purpose with your playing. There are people that you are meant to touch that the great, famous, popular, whoever, professional violinists are not going to be able to touch or will not touch. You are the one that is supposed to touch them. You are the one that's supposed to reach them. I've played in nursing homes that um, some of the greats, they'll never go to that nursing home, but I was there. And someone, some of the older people there, there said that they were glad for our music and it brightened their day and it helped them. So there are places that you will go with your music and I think with your life too, that although someone else may be more famous or more professional or whatever, what have you, they may be to that great level that you're in awe of, but that assignment was for you. It wasn't for them. 
it wasn't for Beyonce to sing to them. It was for you to sing to them. It was designed for you in that moment. And you are the only person that can deliver that moment and that message in the way that you can. That's beautiful. That was that was some great advice. Like a lot of that just really touched my soul. I really appreciate sharing that with us. I'm glad. So, um, and this is I talk to myself too. So I'm saying um, these things not just to you, but I had to remind myself constantly. Um, your voice matters. This is me talking to myself too. So I'm not telling this from a place of oh I always do this. Oh no, <laughs> I had to remind myself daily like you are here for a purpose you your story your gift your message no one else can bring that for you I tell this to myself too so yeah <laughs> yes I, I know a podcast is really all about me talking to myself and then if it helps somebody else it's great yeah because it's just I, I need my own advice all the time yes <laughs> <laughs> um so I on the like to ask is uh, what is a word that starts with B that you think describes you or is a part of your life and tell us how um, what that word hmm, is. Wow that is a great question a word that starts a word that starts with B that describes me <laughs> I'm gonna the first thing that came to my mind honestly was boo <laughs> and I'm gonna explain that because my family members call me boo. My sister calls me boo-boo. <laughs> and my dad calls me boo. And it's not like boo, like a boyfriend or a bae or anything like that. It's, I don't know if when I was growing up that I was slow or something, they just looked at me and they're like, oh, boo-boo. Like, but it stuck. They still call me that today, to this day. And for me, it's a term of endearment and it's a term of love. And it's a term for me, that describes the love and the care that is placed upon me by the family that calls me that. So I'm going to go with, with boo or boo-boo. <laughs> That's a more relatable even a mess. So, well, thank you so much. Can you please tell us about any experiences, um, sorry, any upcoming um, events you may be having, anything um, that you're doing, if you have like a YouTube page that people can find you um, there. That you want to sure. Um, I actually, because I'm not yet at the point where I play for a living, I do little things here and there on Instagram from time to time. And I've made it a point that every now and then I'm going to try to post something. So the first thing I would say is check me out on Instagram at Juju's Loves. I think it's got an underscore between the Juju and the Loves. Yes, Juju's Loves, J-U-J-U-S underscore Loves. And that's my Instagram handle. Please come there, support, like something, <laughs> comment, tell the girl, a sister to keep going, put a something just, you know, to be supportive. That support is amazing. And um, I can tell you there are people that I've never met personally that have encouraged me on Instagram. Um, quick shout out to Sam West, I think, musician someone that had seen some of my earlier posts. And when I got down and I stopped practicing, this person reached out to me and was like, hey, are you planning to post any more of your practice videos? And I was like, what? <laughs> you were actually listening? Like you you missed these? Like, thank you. <laughs> so um, he's a pianist. I think he's in the UK too. I think he's in London or somewhere. 
out far, far from where I am. And I appreciate the support um, from him and others, uh, people that I've never met personally that to me have become like family. Like I count on seeing their, their stuff and giving them a, dropping a like or a comment for stuff that they share and they do the same for me. So that was the, be the first thing. I also have a YouTube page right now. There's just hairstyling stuff on there, but I do plan to, um, kind of expand in the future. Um, it's also called Juju's Loves on YouTube. And it's really a way for me to connect with the larger world, like the public share. Like it's not my private account, it's a public. If anybody who wants to see, wants to communicate, welcome to reach out to share and com communicate in those ways. Um, and eventually, I guess I said before, I will probably get onto music, but it's Juju's Love. So my first love I started with was locks. Um, my hair is locked. I've been locked for almost 10 years. In May, it will be 10 years. So that's where I started. But um, music has definitely been a love of mine for a long time. So that's another one. Um, yeah. So, yeah. That's amazing. Congratulations on your 10-year anniversary of your love. Thank you. Thank you. I can't believe it's been this long, but here, here we are. <laughs> yeah. Well, I really, I were excited about this episode, and I feel like you gave us amazing advice. It really resonated with me. Appreciate you taking your time out um, to speak with us. Um, did you have anyone that you want to do like a shout out for? Yes, of course. Yes, definitely. I think the first shout out I'm going to give is to my husband. He's an artist and he goes by the name Quirky, Q-R-C-K-Y. And I'm shouting him out mainly because it was his encouragement and his going out and buying cameras and setup that got me started with Juju's Loves in the first place. Um he recorded the first episode and episodes after that um, really helped me get started. So without him telling me, you know what, your stuff, don't wait for perfection, just do it. I wouldn't be here. So I want to, first of all, shout him out. I'd also like to shout out my parents, um, mom and dad, um, from when I heard about your site and what you're doing with the Purple Ribbon Causes, cancer was definitely... Um, the purple ribbon causes touched me um, the most <laughs> and it's still touching me. And both my parents had been diagnosed and have um, gotten through their cancer treatments. Um, my mom first and my dad, actually during the pandemic, my dad was diagnosed with his cancer and had his treatment during this pandemic. So I'd like to shout both of them out. They brought me here. They've been supporting me my entire life with their encouragement and their love. So I like to shout them out. And shout out to the Instagram family, you and all those that um, take the time to reach out and communicate on Instagram. Y'all are y'all are amazing. Y'all support people and keep them going. So appreciate you. Thank you so much. I mean, and you know, giving us all ways to, you know, use our voices and support each other, out each other, because people do so many amazing things in the world, and we just don't even know about it. Right. You can go and you can learn about these amazing, beautiful women who, you know, look like you, um, or yes. come from, you know, 
backgrounds like yours. So yes. I appreciate a time to talk with us. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me.